Well, no, when I quit smoking, it was right before the pandemic. It was because I got my wisdom teeth taken out, mm -hmm. and I just physically couldn't smoke. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew it would be really bad for me if I did. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, now would be a pretty decent time to just quit altogether. Mm -hmm. And I did for a few months, and the pandemic hit, and I was like, nope, I'm smoking. This is the not a good time to quit smoking. I'm just going to, if I'm dying of the coronavirus, I might as well go out swinging. <laughs> See, it was kind of opposite. I was like, I quit smoking and picked up the Juul. Because I was like, fuck, if I get COVID, I don't want to also have been, like, a smoker kind of a thing. Like, I feel like I'd have a better odds if I can get at least, like, a month or two under my belt, like, not smoking. And then the mm -hmm. jewel's easier to quit than smoking, which is usually true. But, man, obviously now I've worked all the way around to the point where I was like, fuck, I can't quit jeweling. I should go back to smoking. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, and I quit for that short period of time. And I was like, man, I have more energy. There seems to be more time in the day. I'm happier. Colors are brighter. Birds are singing. Exactly. All that stuff. Yeah. And then, like I said, lockdown hit, and I was like, I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. <laughs> I just want to smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Now, here I am. Yeah. Just got off. I was at a pack a day a while yeah. ago. Now, I'm a pack every, like, two, three days, mm -hmm. which feels okay. Like I say, I, I told you the other day that the Bill Hicks thing really struck a chord with me, the idea of being on the wrong side of the war on drugs. But even before that... <clears throat> I remember having long conversations with, like, Elric about how, like, so not punk rock to smoke cigarettes. I'm just throwing yeah. $7 into Philip Morris's family's pocket yeah. every day so that he can get rich off of killing me. Yeah. And his family can get rich off of killing me. They don't do anything else for this world except pollute it and kill whoever buys their product. Yeah, but then people will be like, mm, cigarettes stink and they're bad for you. And I'm yeah. like, it's very punk rock for me to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Crumlin, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least once a week. So anyway, yeah, we watched a scanny darky. Oh, we did, and uh, sort of been putting it off for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you just read the book. True. So I got excited enough yeah to watch this but there's a degree to which i think the word begrudgingly also fits yeah i get the that definition i've always seen bits and pieces of it yeah and the rotoscoping which is the big thing about this movie Being which like, right off the bat is 100 percent of the reason why i've always left it on the shelf and been like i don't know if i want to watch that i mean this was that was the only thing that made me interested in it for really? a very long time yeah not enough to watch it but being like, that's a cool idea. And then I read the book on your recommendation, and I was like, fuck, I gotta see this movie. Um, and I would have liked this movie 100% more if it was not rotoscope. Yeah. The whole time I was like, oh my god, I can't believe they shot it normal and then did this to it. I saw some like behind-the-scenes before and after shots. And the before shots on an actual camera yeah. are like a... A video camera from like 2005 or whenever this movie came out so it looks very bad yeah but 
for the thing that they're trying to go for with the rotoscoping yeah with making it feel for lack of a better term trippy and like the look of the film goes with the whole drug theme of the movie yeah. i feel like shooting it on a very cheap 2005 mm-hmm. video camera would have worked way better yeah because i also say like as someone who's dabbled very minorly dabbled in psychedelics something looking like hyper real and not hollywood and not crisp and not perfect is almost kind of like the experience (laughs) yeah or at least being like post acid i guess but just that thing where you're like man fuck and like you know i get it to an extent where reading the book very long scenes were just what's a word for people who do a lot of drugs uh, I guess you'd call them like high ons, burnouts, uh, or just, just a bunch of high on burnouts, <laughs> junkies, just a bunch of junkies. That's yeah, what I'm junkies. There's a lot of long scenes, just in the, jabbering. A lot of scenes in the book, are just a bunch of junkies jabbering, mm-hmm. doing junky stuff, and yeah. you kind of get lost in it, and you kind of get distracted by it. In my opinion, the book strength. Yeah, and you get so lost and distracted by the junkiness of it all that you kind of like toward the end when the other shoe drops, you're like. Oh, right. All this stuff is going on. Yeah, you almost forget that it's a sci-fi novel. Exactly. It almost just feels like real life. And I think, I guess that's what the rotoscope is trying to do, mm-hmm. where you're so distracted by this and how like things don't really line up and pay things don't look to that anything good. Else. But that's what happens, is yeah. you can't pay attention to fucking anything else. Yeah. So when the movie's wrapping up, I'm like, nothing happened. Yeah, that's like, how I felt as well. Shit, like, a whole lot happened, but shit just happened and then it was over. Yeah. <clears throat> um so we both mutually read this is a fact that we're both aware of but uh that you know basically uh Richard Linklater uh I guess initially he wanted to adapt Ubik yeah uh which is a book that uh a friend of mine wants to lend me but first I have to return some things before he'll let me but anyways uh couldn't get the rights to that or whatever and so then he was like oh how about a Skinner Darkly he asked you know uh, Philip K. Dick's daughters, and they were like, I don't know. I don't know about turning my dad's most personal book into a cartoon. And I gotta be honest, I kind of side with them on that argument. But anyways, they read the script, they agreed, and it moved forward. And so that's kind of like... The what do you, I, for, that, for that, it's like, they read the script, and it's like, oh yeah, this is the book, but Schroeder, sure. <laughs> like, that's something that really got me about this and American yeah. Psycho when we watched the other day. Mm-hmm. It is just the book, but worse. Yeah, and I'm, I want to speak to that for a second. I would say that my big complaint about it is that it is such a personal book. Yeah. And there's that heart-wrenching uh, or gut-wrenching or whatever you want to call it portion at the end where he kind of, you know, gives a little bit of a eulogy for his friends and yeah. whatnot. Uh, and there's that beautiful thing at the very end that I wish I would have written down so I can remember where he says, like, you know, like, uh, let them play again and let them be happy or whatever at yeah. the very end. It really always gets me. Um, so all of these things are just kind of facts about it, right? It's 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 a very personal story. In my opinion, it's that, the, the, the junkie jabbering. I think that the book um, is, you know, him kind of working through those experiences, but specifically, like, working through, like, saying goodbye to it. Yeah. You know, the same way that, like, when you quit smoking, like, yes, it is a good thing, but also there's going to be a lot of things you miss, you know? So a lot of ways the the novel humanizes 
being a junkie, like the kind of thing that people usually write off. And instead, he's the whole time saying, like, no, look, these are people with traits and redeeming qualities and maybe some shitty qualities. But at the end of the day, they're people and this is a lifestyle and this is something that you don't necessarily you know, understand unless you've lived it. It kind of reminds me of like the reason why train spotting is called train spotting is because train spotting from what I've been told, I could be wrong, is the name for a hobby where people like to watch trains pass or some shit like that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make sense. The same way that the heroin lifestyle doesn't make sense to people who are on the outside looking in like, why would you want to do that? You know, anyways. And yeah, I just feel like watching the movie, I didn't get an amazing sense of attachment to anyone. I mean, right off the bat, no disrespect to Keanu Reeves, very cool guy. Awful. Very cool guy. Awful for this part. But he's also, yeah, just not an, uh, 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 in my opinion, an actor who lends well to establishing like an emotional connection with. Yeah. In in roles. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. does a great job, I think. I think Woody Harrelson also does a passable job, and I think Winona Ryder does a passable job. But again, maybe it's the rotoscope distracting me, but I just did not feel that connection to this, these people, their life. And like, I feel like again a part of it is i'm not saying i read the book and i think like oh i want to know these people or i want to hang out with them but there's a degree to which we're like it's a little rose tinted like i get that sense of this is something that philip k dick misses these are people he cares about these are events that he actually perhaps lived sometimes and i just don't get that sense when i'm watching the movie there just seems like to be this huge disconnect and it could perhaps be the rotoscope as you're suggesting the idea that you cannot just get past it right yeah. so you can't get to the meat and the bones but yeah i'm walking away from it feeling like Overall, it ended up leaning more into more plot stuff, the sci-fi stuff. And I say leaning very loosely because I really don't think that this book goes, or I mean the movie goes too heavy in either direction. But like I'm, I walk away mainly with the sci-fi elements standing out the most to me, I feel like. And it doesn't even do a great job of making those feel that exciting also, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. It's a very muted film. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's something I like about the book and I like about a lot of sci-fi is when the sci-fi stuff is there yeah but it's just there mm -hmm. like that's all it is mm -hmm. and it did that in this but it, it yeah like kind of leaned into it at the same time where it never really finds that good sweet spot mm -hmm. you know just go back a few steps yeah, yeah sorry i kind of went off a little bit no, you're but fine. i've been thinking a lot about it because i like i said the skinner darkly i've frequently called my favorite book before i i keanu reeves mm -hmm. is in movies where Keanu Reeves is the main guy, and I like him. Um, Just say it. You love The Matrix. I hate The Matrix. Yeah, I didn't actually. like The Matrix either. We watched it yeah, together, and we, I did not like it. Yeah, I think we My were, dad asked me the other day, did you see the new Matrix trailer? And I was like, I don't fucking like the first one. Yeah, I think we were 20 years too late in seeing The Matrix. <laughs> yeah. That's why we didn't like it. Yeah. Um, like, it's not even like a, oh, I can appreciate for what it did at the time. No. I'm just like, no, this is just a mess, and I don't like it. Yeah. Um, sue me. <laughs> but every time... Uh, Bill me. When I see a, a Keanu Reeves movie, it's always like, he's always kind of just playing Keanu Reeves. Mm -hmm. But whenever he's doing that, I'm like, I like this guy. Yeah. No matter what's happening, I just like him. Hey, I like that fucking Surfer movie where they rob banks. Point Break. Point Break was okay. Yeah. It's I, the greatest movie ever made. No, but I honestly, genuinely had an all right time with Point Break. It's fucking ridiculous. It's a ridiculous film. I'd never admit this in public, and I'm doing it to you because you're a friend on this podcast i like john wick i like it a bunch nice i think it's just a lot That's of cool. dumb fun there's yeah. a lot of it that i don't like but just watching keanu reeves yeah. a likable guy do stuff is a lot of fun yeah i understand that other stuff like uh Stuff I've seen of Bill and Ted's. I haven't seen those movies, but I really liked it. Yeah, that's not going to happen for me. That's just in the category of like that, and then like uh, Beavis and Butthead are two things that just really. Yeah. Also, King of the Hill. Just those are three things. 
that like I just don't think will ever crack for me. I tried, but they just they okay. Never crack. I've I, seen Bill and Ted. I have not, and okay. I really like to. But uh, with that, or even him in a goddamn Toy Story, he's got comedic chops, mm-hmm. um, and just I think he's just all around likable, except in this movie, because he just plays the monotone keanu reeves yeah well here's another problem you you actually just reminded me of something real quick i'm not gonna go on for long but he seems so detached and depressed that again there's another disconnect between the idea that this is supposed to be something that this guy cherishes or cares about Mm -hmm. right because like i said like am i wrong or is there not a point in the book where they tell him you're getting pulled off this and he goes what do you mean pulled off this this is my life these are my friends yeah yeah no they at the point where they tell him he's getting pulled off of it yeah, I think it... Something I'm, to that effect. There's the idea that he's like little, he starts to lose sight of the fact that like this isn't what he does, that he's actually an undercover cop. And instead he's like, well, no, this is what my life has become. I think, you know it's, I mean? I think it's the opposite. He is so disconnected at that point that he's like, this is my job. I've put so much time into finding this guy and mm-hmm. finding out what he's doing, and he doesn't remember that he's that guy mm-hmm. at that point. Ah, uh, okay. And as... Because I thought he goes on that thing where he was like... like In my head, I remember the line of logic being... What do you mean? This is my life. These are my friends. Like, uh, and then he gives the example of like, like it's a Tuesday afternoon, and you know everybody's uh, off work, and we're getting high, and the girls aren't wearing shirts, and you can see their nipples through the shirt. He's like, you know, we're listening to records, and you know, this is my life. What do you mean? You know, that might be earlier. Earlier? Yeah, because okay. I remember. Yeah, he gets pulled off the case, and when they pull him off the case, they're like, the guy, um, can't remember his name, Hank Henry, something like that. Hank's probably right. Henry could also be right. Yeah, seemed very close. The guy he talks to. Yeah. Um, at work, tells him he's like, yeah, the process of elimination. I've figured out you're Bob Arctor, and mm-hmm. he's like, I'm Bob Arctor, and he's very confused about it. Mm-hmm. And just when it's Keanu Reeves, I'm like, I don't believe you. Yeah, I don't believe you're shocked by this. Yeah. And my biggest problem was probably my favorite part of the book uh-huh. is when he's in the rehab facility at the end. Yeah. And just shits just passing him by because he's so brain dead. From he's uh, Mr. Big uh, the Jackpots at that point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like there's a point in the book that I really like where someone's talking to him and he's like spilt his lunch or something like that. And he's like, and then I spilt touch lunch. He's like, <laughs> he's like, and I touch a piece of beef that's on the table and it's cooled down, but it's still a little warm. And him just being yeah. just so brain dead and so whatever. Yeah. But when he's Keanu Reeves. He has so much more emotion when he's in those scenes for some reason. Yeah. People are like, well, this is where you're going to be from now on, Bruce. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, well, how long do you think I'm going to be here? I'm like, no, <laughs> dude. But uh, that being said, loved Robert Downey Jr. Loved Woody Harrelson. Loved Winona Ryder. Mm-hmm. Um, I was telling you while I was reading the book, I was thinking about what you said about Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. You watched it, and you're like, man, I pictured this guy as... Stephen King and I mm-hmm. don't like this actor I was like hmm I wonder who plays who in the movie because I mm-hmm. didn't know at that point and so I looked it up and I was like Keanu Reeves mm, I don't know and then I was like Robert <laughs> Downey Jr. for Barris ah. and then I'm listen- uh, listening and reading to the book and I'm getting to the Barris scenes and I start trying to picture Robert Downey Jr. instead I'm like oh this will never work and it totally works in the yeah. movie I, think I love works. Barris Barris is one of my favorite yeah. characters yeah. great and I think he works yeah. better as Robert Downey Jr. than the mm. I just pictured whatever like, you pictured. I pictured like a Doc Brown type of white hair, crazy oh, white so hair funny. kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I love uh, specifically when he when when Woody Harrelson is choking and he comes back to it and he's like, "You weren't gonna fucking help me." And he's like, "I'm sorry, you haven't mastered the art of swallowing sustenance without choking." And, you know that kind of thing. I 
be honest, I was probably asleep during that part. I fell asleep for about 15 oh, minutes. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole point where, like, uh, I remember Keanu it from the book, but I yeah. don't. Yeah, Keanu Reeves is just watching him watch Woody Harrelson choke, and he's like, this son of a bitch, he's not going to do anything, you know? And he does call, he calls the cops, he's like, um, we actually we have, kind of have, like, a, a, a little bit of a, a situation, if you could perhaps uh, uh, send over one of your, 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 your ambulance. Oh, the, the address for, for here? Uh, let me just go outside real quick. Uh, uh, yes, it's it's, it's, it's uh, 742. Uh, can't remember the street name, but it's it's a cul-de-sac. Uh, just come as soon as you can. Bye. Yeah, I, I, I loved that bit in the book. Yeah. And then, yeah, it, when we were watching the movie, I literally woke up when he gets him down in his car, and he's like, and he just stood there and did nothing? And I was <laughs> like, did they just skip over that? or No, um, they showed it. Oh, and then I should also mention my favorite part in the book gets shown. It's when uh, that that yeah. dude Feck or whatever the fuck or Charles Feck. Charles, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I don't remember exactly what it's supposed to be, but like the fucking angel of death or whatever comes to him and reads out every sin he's ever committed to yeah. him for all of eternity. Because he tries to kill himself. Um, yeah. Just prescription drugs, but mm-hmm. someone gives him like acid or something yeah. instead, and he just loses yeah. his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I also love, if I'm not mistaken, in the movie. His head is like a swirling ball of circles with eyes on it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, like a Bible-accurate description of angels. Very cool. What angels are supposed to look like in the Bible. He's described similar to that in the book, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something I like that they did in the movie is Charles Feck. They combined him and Jerry Fabin mm. into one character, which I think streamlines it perfectly for a movie. Yeah. Jerry Fabin's the guy that sees all the bugs, and Charles Feck yeah. is his friend who sees the guy. I will say controversial opinion for me to have by my own standards mm-hmm. i'm gonna hypocrite myself real quick be a little hypocritical this movie needed an extra 20 minutes i think this movie could have benefited a lot from having yeah. an extra 20 minutes on it yeah uh i could see that but also i could see not that because while this movie is happening i was like i don't want to be watching this movie anymore yeah, but I think most of that for me personally came from the rotoscope yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. I don't want to look at it. Yeah, anymore. no, I don't want 20 more minutes of rotoscope, but two things would have benefited. Shut it normal, and then just 20 extra minutes for, like, things to, like, I don't know. You could utilize that time to either, A, try to build a little bit of tension, or, B, lean harder. Just lean harder in either direction. Yeah. Either lean harder into, like, it being, like, a sci-fi thing, or lean harder into, like, them just hanging out and, like, actually enjoying each other and each other's mm-hmm. company. Because, like, from the rip, it doesn't seem like anybody likes each other besides Woody Harrelson and our Robert Downey Jr., in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Because they make fun of Charles Feck like a shithead. Keanu's all detached. Winona only shows up every now and again. She could use some more screen time, I think. I think Donna shows up a little more in the book than she does oh, in Oh, yeah, this. she's all over the book. Yeah. Something I really... I, I just praised it for combining two characters. Yeah. But I think a huge misstep in the movie is them making Donna Henry or Hank or whatever. Uh-huh. Which she comes out and takes the mask off from the suit and is like, <gasps> twist. Uh-huh. And I feel like it's done for just that. Like, <gasps> she's talking to him the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that makes it, like, makes sense. Yeah. Like, it, it's a little a little bit, I mean, the the leap of the the his boss figuring out that he's Bob Arctor. Yeah it lessens that a lot because just the boss just in general figuring out and being like but i've had a lot of talks with you here i think you're a good guy so i'm gonna let you go here Mm -hmm. but in the movie it's like well she knows it's him and they're kind of in love so that's why she's letting him go yeah but yeah no in the movie i mean the book um there'd be she's bringing him to the play to the new path to the rehab and they get pulled over Mm mm-hmm and a cop looks at her thinking, he goes, oh, you're one of the undercover ships? Mm-hmm. Keep your voice down. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Also, I think a big misstep in this movie, too, in the book, 
the shoe drops when you find out that Barris is the informant. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, fuck. That happens within, like, the first 20 minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. And then it goes on, and then the shoe dropping in the movie is figuring out that Don is undercover, too. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to figure out what New Path is doing and how they're making all their money if they're making Substance D. Mm-hmm. Just create this cycle of addicts to patients to addicts to patients. Mm-hmm. And in the book... Yeah, I think those two things happen much closer together. You're like, oh, fuck, the shoe just dropped. Barris is the informant. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, 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 no. This is what it's about. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that you're going to care about. Here's something I'm going to complain about. Go for it. I remember reading, uh, I wish I could cite my sources, uh, but on Wikipedia. Okay. Sue me. Bill me. Uh, under the reception center, or center, section, uh, it just mentions someone uh, saying something about, like, this seeming like a comic book brought to life or something like that, or, Ugh. like, comics brought to... It's not a comic. And the rotoscope thing, that's... No, I just... I could see how your mind, like, could equate, like, rotoscoping kind of to the way that, like... But, like, God, I would feel like such an asshole saying that about an adaptation of a book. Yeah. There... There's a video game from a very long time ago. Called Family Guy. Called Family Guy, where you play as the Peter Griffin. Guy. Um, that game sucked. I remember it very, very clearly. I got it on Christmas and loved it. You just, it's like, you you beat people up as Peter. You yeah. do a bunch of, like, Tetris it's style. A bunch of vignettes, yeah. You do a bunch of, like, Galaga style stuff as Stewie, and then you, you hide as Brian. Mm-hmm. That's all I remember from it. And yeah. There's cutaway gags that are mini games. But there's a game from, like, the early 2000s for, like, the PlayStation 2 that I used to play a lot as a kid called 13. Okay. Um, starring David Duchovny. Wow. Yeah. And it is based off of, like, an 80s graphic novel, so the whole game is cel-shaded and looks like a graphic novel. And I was just thinking about that the whole time watching this movie. Yeah. It didn't remind me of a comic book. It reminded me of an old, shitty video game <laughs> that, lo- that was trying to look like a comic yeah. book. Yeah. I just can't, can't express it enough how much... What a downfall that rotoscoping is. Um, yes, I will agree. That's, again, just like, that's the broken leg on this horse. Yeah, In my absolutely. opinion. That's that's what's going to get this racehorse put down. I will also say, like, and, and, you know, anything that I have positive to say, I'm more so just thinking of the book. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, but even, like, you know, I like how it wraps up with the whole idea that they're, you know, the, the uh, new path... The rehab, uh, you know, center is also the one supplying the drugs, whatever. And specifically, they're trying to take uh, Bob Arker, Arker slash Keanu Reeves, and uh, you know, get him into the facility, have him be so brain dead that they would use him to work the field, so they could like confirm like what's going on. I don't know, like it seems a little not thought out well because like how do they get any information about where he is or like mm-hmm. how do they get any information from him yada 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 yes i think it's like just he's like gonna a- bring that flower to his friends on thanksgiving but is his friends gonna know to give that to like the cop but like he's just a little i think it yeah i think it's just a long shot that yeah. he has just enough memory to be like i'm gonna take this back with me mm. and the other people in the facility with him mm. before he goes out to the pasture are also undercover cops mm-hmm. so but anyways, um, yeah, and I just like that, you know, it's kind of a bit of social commentary about the way that, like, this country has always kind of, like, been getting money both sides, you know, like, yeah. creating a crack epidemic, but then also the war on drugs, Preach. you know what I mean? Um, as well as in the beginning, they also have a couple of other bits, like when he's given that dare-style speech, and he's like, don't you guys realize this is what pushes people onto drugs? And That's... 
that's the part that I was like, I'm 100% out of this movie. Yeah. The scramble suits look so fucking stupid. Yeah, especially... They are yeah. the most distracting part of this movie. Yeah. Like, it, like, uh, like we talked about this uh, while I was reading the book. In my head, scramble suits just look like static. Yeah, I was expecting, like, TV static. Yeah. I mean, I know the... Yeah. I know the whole point is that you're supposed to be a blur of features that you don't whatever, but, like, you know, at a certain point, like, push come to shove. Let's do it live action. Let's just make it look like static. Who gives a shit? I mean, or even a blur of features that Hmm. isn't a mosaic of people wearing ties and dresses and have a beard. Yeah, insane. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you just looked kind of like the the shit you put on your bathroom window so people yeah. can't peek in yeah exactly Just like that even um if you look like tempered glass i'd be fine with it yeah it's probably not the right word but i don't know i think tempered glass is when you it doesn't smash if you yeah. do it you know but um yes and then there's also the bit where again i know that it's a daydream so it's charles feck's perception of what cops would be like but also i feel like it was a little jab uh when the cop pulls him over and he's like you have the right to uh Ah, oh, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to waste you. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, yep, that's exactly how cops are. I'm not even joking. Preach. Yeah. So, you know, the movie preaches a little bit. But so does the book. Yeah. Book probably yeah, does yeah. it better. Um, yeah. <laughs> Before we're done with this, I'd like to sure. give a small shout out to Philip K. Dick. Philip K. Dick, sure. The old PKD. But also. We've talked about this when I read books. I like to buy the audiobook as well. Uh-huh. And I, usually do it about, uh... I usually do it about 50-50. Because um, like when I'm into something, I'm like super into it. I'm thinking about it all the time. So I can read a book when I come home and listen to it while I'm at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the audiobook for this bad boy is read by Paul Giamatti. Nice. And he fucking smashes that. Smashes the shit. So good. Nice. The best narrator I've ever heard read any book ever um so hey paul giamatti good on you and i have one more little fun fact better be about paul giamatti it's not about paul giamatti it's about philip k dick philip k dick was uh actually a twin no his brother twin sister oh never mind but she died six weeks after they were birthed and uh it was just profoundly affected him for the rest of his life and he was obsessed with it and a lot of his books apparently from what i've heard feature motifs alluding to that one of the famous being some sort of like phantom twin yeah whatever Mm. anyways um yeah okay he's two people in this book okay i get it yeah and uh specifically the reason why i bring it up is because i've recently gotten very into sonic youth and uh they have an album called sister and it's named sister because uh both um thurston moore and his wife kim gordon well, then wife. Kim Gordon is now doing her own thing. Because Thurston cheated on her. Okay. Good for Kim Gordon. Anyways, yeah, Kim Gordon rocks. Uh, yeah, they were both really into Philip K. Dick at the time. And she just talks about how she's like, yeah, we never really had a conversation about it. It was just kind of like one of those things where I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, because mm-hmm. we were both obviously obsessed with Philip K. Dick's obsession with his dead sister or whatever. So there you go. It's a little fun fact about that. Fun fact. Scanner darkly, scanner darkly, scanner darkly. Overall, I'm giving this movie... God, I don't want to be that harsh. It's probably going to seem harsh, but... I mean, I've laid out my criteria. And I just... It seems unfair because I'm comparing it so much to the book, which I love. But this is easily FD range for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. does a pretty good job, so maybe I'll just go ahead and say D, because I think there's a that, you know? But, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel very good about this one. Yeah. I'll I, never watch it again. Oh, no. Ever. I would give it a C- minus or a D. Like you said, just because of Robert Downey Jr. and one on a rider, Woody Harrelson killing it. But I feel tricked. Because <laughs> Bamboozled. Tr- bamboozled. Schmeckeldorfed. Because <gasps> it turns out Alex Jones is in this movie. And I paid money to rent it, which means a little bit of my money went to Alex Jones. So I'm giving this movie an F. Yeah, that's F territory for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that'll just make you want to scream four times. So on to the meat and potatoes of this episode. Enough with that drivel that we were just talking about. Chris, what did you think about Scream 4? Finally, after all these years, we've seen Scream 4. I've been trying for the last two days to figure out how exactly I'm going to get my point across i gave a dry run to delaney earlier i will agree with you that this is by far the strongest scream sequel oh don't you, you spoiler alert you ruined my opinion whatever go oh, on fuck i'm sorry it's fine okay aspects of it because i think there are a lot of moments in this that would work really well as a slasher movie in general okay my problem with the scream sequels is this you're going to crucify me because I know I'm not going to be able to fucking explain it perfectly. But all three of them, lumping them all together. The first one stands alone. Perfect. Beautiful. Right? It has this thing about the way that it does meta-commentary where I feel like it's not doing that sort of like scary movie thing where you're looking at it and you're going like, um, oh, yeah, and then let me guess, the cop's gonna walk in and whatever, and I'm gonna have big tits. I know it, there's like a, there's an F. Sorry, that was weird. Anyways, <laughs> I thought that was the sliding glass door. There's a tone to which I feel like it's uh, criticizing from almost a standpoint of kind of like love for the thing, and also that young kind of like uh i can do better than the generation before me look at all these ideas that have gotten stale and i'm coming in here and i want to be taken seriously and this is going to be edgy and this is going to be biting example when at the end they reveal why they're doing all of this the whole time even though they're saying silly shit that they heard from other characters earlier like oh it's the millennium scarier if we don't have a motive the whole time they feel dangerous and it's scary and you're like wow you know like fuck this is like what are they going to do next right my problem with the second third and fourth one is that it's a much more cynical curmudgeon-y kind of like (laughs) yeah and let me guess i'm going to stick my head out the window and an axe is going to come down on my head and then it does and everybody's like "Ah," whatever um example more on the nose example when Sydney Prescott, spoilers, when her niece is revealed to be the killer, her motive scene, in my opinion, is very different Mm -hmm. because the way she's saying it is as if you as the audience is supposed to side with the writer in acknowledging that, like, what she's saying is a dumb, privileged, millennial thing to say. Yeah. It's not supposed to be scary like it wasn't Scream where you're like, oh, fuck, it is a new generation. These are people who don't have to be like, uh, for 30 years they walked on my lawn and now I'm going to get back at them. No, they've just seen too many movies and they're a little fucked up. 
and they're killing people, right? Yeah. And it's scary. Whereas, like, all the other Scream movies, it's that kind of a thing where, like, I don't know what the words I'm looking for are, but it just has this thing where, like, it's it's less, like, hungry and genuine and, like, watch how good I can do and a lot more just, like, almost... It's almost like the way that the scary movies progressed where, like, it just kind of, like, a lost sight of, like... I don't know, actually wanting to also contribute to the genre and instead just trying to go for, like, that meta thing without actually yeah. having, like, the right to. I guess that's a good way to put it. Like, I feel like Scream has the right to be meta and none of the sequels earn the right to be meta, meta either. Sorry I went on for so long and I really don't know if I got my point across, but that's no, I know exactly my biggest problem with the sequels. I have so many things to jump off from what you just said. Try not to forget. I won't. I will. Take your time. I mean, I will. We have time to kill. In the first movie, (laughs) Billy Loomis, like you said, watched one too many movies. Yeah. Now he's like this. But aside from that, Uh he is an insane person. Yeah. And you get that through the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Just the way he speaks to Sydney. Yeah, well, you pointed out it's a great thing. And I think I... But even just when he's like, oh, geez, can you get over your mom already? Exactly. Everything he does, he is such a textbook narcissist. Yeah. And so, you know, the whole him finding out his mom was cheating or mm-hmm. his dad was cheating with her mom and being yeah. like that setting him over the edge. And now he's going to make it right because he's, he's going to make wrong. Yes, but also on top of that, he's seen all these movies, so blah, 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 this and that, and he peer pressures his best, his dumb best friend into helping him. Yeah. That all works perfectly. Yeah. For and like what? I say, I think a decent contribution to the genre, right? That's yeah. where you kind of earn yeah, yeah. your right. You earn your right. And... What? She's agreeing with you. Keep going. Appreciate it, Coop. Um, Emma Roberts, whatever her name is in Scream 4, yeah. has nine fucking motives. <laughs> she, before yeah. she kills her boyfriend, she's like, oh, well, this is what happens when you cheat on a girl who blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he sh- she shoots hit her, yeah. shoots him. And then she's like, oh, all my life I hear Sydney this, Sydney that, and i always living in your shadow. Yeah. I don't even know you, so now it's going to be my turn. Mm-hmm. And then she goes into the 15 minutes of fame. And, and the 15 the... minutes of fame, and yeah. then you know, it's going to be spread all over online. But at no point did I ever think that this girl was an insane person. Yeah. There are no signs she of this movie. normal the whole time. She's very normal the entire time, where when you watch... Which... To agree with you and also put words in your mouth for a minute, because I think it's what you're saying, that's not a bait and switch. Yeah. If you just characterize a character one way the whole time and then change the way they act, it's not a bait and switch. Yeah. My favorite thing about Scream is 20 minutes in, she goes, oh, fuck, I think it's my boyfriend. And then for the whole movie, you're like, it looks like it might be the boyfriend. Yeah. And then he gets stabbed by Ghostface, and Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, fuck, I guess I was wrong. It's not Mm -hmm. the boyfriend. And at the end, it's like... Oh, it's the boyfriend and his boyfriend. <laughs> and it's great. But in this, she's just just the girl mm-hmm. and she's the surrogate for Sydney in this reboot. Yeah. And then it's like, oh nope, it turned out to be me and the um Jamie Kennedy substitute in this mm-hmm. movie. Which I didn't hate when I first started when we watched it. I, I hate it more than out now. I've had time to think about it. Mm-hmm. I did really like watching Scream Four that I was like Yeah, though this is easily the easiest to watch sequel, I yeah. think, yeah. Um, but that's yeah, again, like, real quick. I'll agree with you. Like I said, I think you were right. Like I think I said it in the kitchen after we finished. But my biggest thing is that all of the sequels are so far behind the first one. Yeah, that it's really not a compliment to say Scream Four is the best it's, one. Oh no, for yeah. sure. And that brings me back to another thing I was going to say about 
what you were saying about all of them being like, oh, and then an axe is going to hit me in the head. The thing that works so well about Scream 1 yeah. is Kevin Williamson wrote it, and it's, you know, an homage to all these... <laughs> to all these old slasher movies. <laughs> uh, I was trying to scare her, so she stops coming over to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, just an insane way to do it. Um, <laughs> it's an homage. <laughs> Sorry, you're gonna cut a lot of this out. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Okay. Go. It's an homage to all these old slasher movies written by this guy, and mm-hmm. then you get Wes Craven to direct it. Yeah. And all these tricks and all these things that you've seen in these other movies. I said this when we were talking about Scream 1 mm-hmm. originally. Wes Craven can do it because he's like, I was there, I was in the room when we came up with this shit. I, I wrote know, the book on this. I wrote the book on this. <laughs> I know how all of this works. Yeah. So he can do it and subvert it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like the great scenes where they're walking around with the music from Halloween because it's playing on the I was the just going to bring that up. because and he looks in the closet yeah. and all that shit. Yeah. That's another example really quick of, again, contributing something, yeah. earning something. Where is a scene that clever in any of the sequels? Like, in Screen 3, you get the DVD or the video of Jamie Kennedy being like, these are the rules mm-hmm. of the third movie. And it's like... Are they? Yeah. I, I can't... Okay, maybe. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, he ends that message by going, and uh, I guess I'll see some of you soon. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. Nobody in that movie dies. <laughs> and yeah, the, the, the two and three are very much so being like, mm, well, this is how sequels work, and, mm, and it's like, this is, is how it? third movies work. And it's like... Because okay. that shit breaks all the time. Like, what about Season of the Witch, Halloween 3? Yeah, exactly. Or like, what about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? That's a very strange movie that does not follow any of the rules of the sequel. Well, I guess it does, like, the kills are more grotesque. But it doesn't follow all the rules. All I'm saying is, yes, you get into Money Waters once you get into, like, what are the rules of a sequel? Yeah, and it's like, oh, oh, in the third one, you'll reveal something from the from from your past, from it's the first movie. It's not always the movie. third time, one sometimes. It's the fourth one. It's the fifth it's one. Like, it's the sixth one. Or sometimes it just doesn't fucking happen. Yeah. And that's what I liked about this one. Yeah. The rules of the reboot are a little more clear. Yes, and they're better. Yeah. And there are definitely points in this where I'm like, oh, fuck. They're just redoing this from this movie. Mm-hmm. And it takes me a minute to realize it, mm-hmm. which is like Scream 1 when he's walking through the house. And I'm like, oh, fuck. They're playing the music from Halloween that's on the TV. This is what they're doing. That's yeah. very cool. Um, like, there's a bunch of examples. But my biggest one, we talked about it the other night, is when they're at the Stabathon. Yeah. They, they started up. They introduced the scene where they're like, well... If this person's doing the reboot, they're going to attack at a big party. Mm-hmm. When's a big party coming up? And they're like, well, we're having the Stabathon. We're not going to tell you where it is. Uh, but also, he's live streaming his entire life. Oh, my God. So. This kid has a camera on the entire time. <laughs> yeah, we both made that joke at the same time. Where it's like, okay, you guys go home, boot up your computer, pay attention to the route he yeah. takes. <laughs> Find out where he's going. Or yeah. just look a little bit further in the archive of the live stream and watch him check in his emails. Yeah. Emails, so he finds out. So you, Anyway. They get to the Stabathon. It's a bunch of people watching all the Stab movies together. Stab 1 starts playing the Robert Rodriguez directed thing from Scream 2. Mm-hmm. 
everybody in the barn's watching it. They're reciting lines from it. And I will say, pause for a second. Stab. I was looking at that inside the movie, and it's like, fuck, I don't watch that movie. Or oh, I'll yeah, no. I, oh, I would so watch Stab. Um, and, like, they're screaming at the, at the, at the screen like it's a... Uh, a bunch of people watching the room i'm so sorry to interrupt again but that just made me think like i was like how would you recreate an experience like that i think it'd be so cool i know that it exists in the sense of the spanish dracula thing but like it'd be so cool if like i don't know maybe a24 would be risky enough to do this but take the same script and like give it to two separate directors and crews that shoot it at the exact same time yeah yeah uh and then you could just watch and see what each of these teams did with the same thing at the exact same time, so there's no reference to each other, you know, yada, yada, yada. That'd be very cool. Yeah. It's almost like Dracula and Spanish Dracula. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Like, that's the only example I know that exists. But again, the purpose would only be, like, because, like, imagine if at the same time Wes Craven is directing Scream, Robert Rodriguez actually did. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then you have these two. Oh, I'm so excited to watch another vampire movie, because I'm going to talk about Dracula so bad, Chris. Okay. <laughs> We're going to watch one in a little bit. But anyways, you're talking about Stabathon and Stab-a-thon. the references you love, and everybody's watching Stab. Yeah, and they're screaming at the theater like it's screaming at the screen like it's either you know a bunch of people watching the room or a Rocky yeah. Horror Picture Show, or watching Stab Three and Scream Two. And Scream Two, they're watching Stab One. Oh, did it together, Chris. Oh, it's the third one where they jump to the third one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is very reminiscent of the scene from the beginning of scream 2 mm-hmm. a bunch of people are watching scream and they're watching stab and like throwing shit at the screen and yell screen and yelling and stuff like that and then gail courtney cox comes in because she's like oh fuck some shit's gonna go down here and she starts putting cameras all over the place like she did in scream one and it's like oh, okay that's cool and then uh, all of her cameras start going out and it's like oh that's spooky because she's watching from the screen inside of her car on her laptop and all the cameras start going out and she's like oh i gotta go in there and figure this out and she picks up a camera, and she's walking around with it because she sees something I don't remember. Oh, she sees the other webcam that the killer has set up. And Dewey comes along to come help her, and he looks in her car window while she's inside the barn and sees her holding that camera and the killer coming. And it's like, oh, fuck. That exact same thing happened in Scream 1. Well, can we pause for a second? The whole idea of them recording the kills kind of went nowhere also. Yes, absolutely. It just sh- shows up like in, like, three percent of the film but then is never like connected as a dot as to like why they're doing it what they're gonna do with it they're like oh we're recording it because everybody records shit nowadays and also it helps set up an alibi okay i think that's all it was okay um and so yeah it's just like the scene in scream one where she hides the camera inside the party and yeah. what's his face is watching it from the van he's but like there's oh a there's delay. a 30 second delay so good which is so much better so much better I, fuck there's another there's another reference in the Stabathon thing that I can't remember. And there's other references in the movie that I just can't remember. Yeah. Um, so, say something. No. <laughs> I will say the cop car, Scream 2 <laughs> cop car scene, for me, is uh, the one where they're uh, looking at their neighbor's room as she gets murdered by... Ghostface. Yeah. Yeah. That, in my opinion, is almost as good as the Wes Craven directed scene where she has to crawl over an unconscious Ghostface. That's so tense. But yeah, I love when like she's like, "You're not in that fucking closet. You're not in that fucking closet." And he's like, "I never said I was in your closet." Yeah. That's the only time, in my opinion, other than when Ghostface is interacting with Sydney specifically, that I feel like Ghostface is actually like 
being what I want him to be, which is that he like talks to them and taunts them and stuff like yeah. that. But like the first like hour of the movie, everybody keeps doing this thing where they're like pretending to be Ghostface and everybody keeps it. If I swear to God, I was gonna stop watching if I heard what's your favorite scary movie yeah. one more time. Yeah. I couldn't handle it. Yeah, I love that scene where he's in the neighbor's closet. Yeah. Because That's great. It's, it reminds me of just what I love about Scream 1, mm-hmm. where it's like as soon as that phone call starts, I'm like, oh, fuck, he's in the neighbor's room. Mm-hmm. And the entire time, I'm like, oh, fuck, he's in the neighbor's room. Oh, fuck, he's in the neighbor's room. And I could be misremembering, but I, I, I'm pretty sure in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, your main girl, I'm trying to remember her name, and I can't. Johnny Depp. Uh, but she lives. She's dating Johnny Depp, I think, and he like lives across the way. And I think she's supposed to be. He's supposed to be staying up to help her stay awake. But she falls asleep a little bit, and then like wakes up, and she's like, "Fuck, you know, he didn't call me." So she starts calling him, and he's not answering. And she's like, "Oh my god, now he's gonna get murdered." And I think they live across the way, but she doesn't necessarily like see it away. But it's it it it, it just reminded me of that, I guess. Anyways, but what what I like so much about it is it's just like Scream One. Even if I see something coming from a mile away, I'm like. This is really good. Mm-hmm. This is I'm intrigued, even though I know exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I also didn't like necessarily. Here's something I didn't like. Uh, again, like it's just one of those things where I don't care, and in fact, I love how many Halloween sequels there are. Yeah. I love how many Nightmare on Elm Street sequels there are. I love how many t- uh, Friday the Thirteenth sequels there are. They're not necessarily good. But each one of them has their their own, like, sort of atmosphere and aesthetic. Okay. And they also kind of, like, carry on a lot of the feel and the vibe of, 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 of each of their respective franchises. Sure, at a certain point, they lose the plot or they lose the magic, whatever. And like I said, they're not necessarily good movies. I think one of the things that really bums me out is I'm like, God damn, four times with this one person. Yeah. Only, only really in Halloween does that happen, where Jamie Lee Curtis is still alive to this day in that universe. But in most, most, there's the final girl, but she doesn't really get fucked with ever again. Except Friday the Thirteenth Part Like Two starts with the girl from One getting murdered, and then there's a new girl, which is more of a reference to Psycho or whatever. Yeah. But you know, there's that scene, for example, where like uh, Gail yells to Dewey as he's giving a press conference. She's like, "You're gonna comment on the fact that this mirrors uh, the same thing that happened like 20 years ago?" And I was just like. Yeah, for the fourth time, it's mirroring that. Like, it's a pretty big lead that it's a mirror. Like, everybody's already yeah. aware of that. Like, yeah, yeah. And I, was, I, I was thinking about it during this movie. It's like, this has happened three times to Sidney Prescott. Mm-hmm. The fact that she's writing a book and going, these are the towns I'm going to be in, and then also going back to her hometown, mm-hmm. incredibly irresponsible. On the 20th anniversary? Incredibly or irresponsible. Yeah. If you are Sidney Prescott... yeah. You change your name to Deborah Johnson. <laughs> well, yeah, that's I'm the such thing. a bad improver. Exactly I just I couldn't think of a last name, but I said my own last yeah. name. But that's another thing you bring up uh, that I totally forgotten about. In the second and third ones, she's living in like witness protection or whatever. She has an alternate name. Does she? Yes, hundred percent. This is news to me. No, it is not. That's why she's living in the fucking like California hillside, and nobody can find her because she's not in the fucking phone book as Sydney Prescott. She's going by another name. Okay, well, who are you to tell me what's news to me? <laughs> you don't remember that part of the movie? I remember her just like trying to get away from everything. Yeah. Being in the '90s, so it's a little bit easier. But I don't remember her going by another name or anything like that, or really being in witness protection. 
Also, I think a big uh, hang-up in this movie is when she's like, all right, as soon as it starts happening, she's like, all right, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And the cops are like, "Mm, no, you have to stay. I'm like, no, I think you'd get her the fuck out of here. Um, While you're looking up whatever you're looking up. Um, A big point of this movie I did like, and it's something I do like about modern horror movies, is the two cops that are guarding the house the entire time. Um, They're played by a man I recognize and a man I don't. Can't think of his name. But yeah, there's two cops sitting outside and they're just shooting the shit every now and then. And they're like kind of a comic relief. But it's a trope in modern horror movies that I really like. I can think about it in like the new Halloween where they're just two what would usually be nameless characters that are going to die. They're here just to die in this movie. But you give them these fun little scenes, and you're like, you know what? I like these guys. And then they die, and you're like, oh, no. But in, like, any other movie, it would just be two cops sitting outside, and then they get stabbed, and then they're dead. Yeah, they're probably my favorite part of this movie. That's probably a bit hyperbolic, but I did enjoy the cops quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, Very funny, especially uh, when the one cop is like, uh, all right, all right, I'll be right back. Oh, shit, I'm not supposed to stay then, right? That joke works really well. Oh, yeah. But then the movie does the thing that I... My biggest complaint about it, immediately after, Sydney and her aunt are in the kitchen, and her aunt's like, okay, I'll be right back, and then Sydney looks at her like, uh-oh, and the movie made the same reference twice inside of like three minutes, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it just does that so often, like how many fucking times did I have to hear, what's your favorite scary movie? Yeah. Make the reference once, and fucking stop. <laughs> fucking stop. Maybe, for the wrong reasons, my favorite part of this movie is there's a part earlier where Allison Brie gets stabbed in the stomach, immediately dies. Yeah. These two cops get jumped by Ghostface. Mm-hmm. One of them gets stabbed a bunch, dies. The other one gets stabbed in the forehead. Brain, basically. Gets right brain. between the center, right in the center of the brain. Cuts Third eye. Gets scanner darkly, his brain split down right in the middle. Yeah. Left and right. Left and right. Independent. And then he goes, ugh, ugh. For a minute and seven seconds. Opens the car door. Goes, what? Oh, no. Starts Uh, swinging. Yeah. Falls to his knees. Goes, fuck Bruce Willis because of a conversation they had earlier. And then dies. Yeah. Very dramatic. So fucking good. Yeah. Very good. That brings me to my second favorite part of this movie. At the beginning, they do the classic fake out that not, i mean kind of a fake out like a scream one which i know by the time me and you both had seen this movie we knew about already i'm uh, seen the first scream we knew about i'm pretty sure is that drew barrymore dies immediately yeah she's the biggest star in this movie dies immediately this movie starts with two young actresses i can't remember the girl's name but one of them is a pretty big actress currently she's in a lot of stuff and her and her friend are like oh this guy's stalking me on facebook and then Ghostface shows up and kills that girl. And I'm like, okay, so the famous girl who's on the poster of this movie mm-hmm. is going to make it through this. And then she dies. So I'm like, oh, fuck, but that, that got me. That one's already like three gotchas deep, isn't it? Maybe. Because the first one's just a couple of... No, 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 no. This is the first one I'm This is the first about. one? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, they got me. She was on the poster. I thought it was going to be her. And then it goes, stab six. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And then it cuts to, two, it cuts to Rogue and Dax Shepard's wife. You mean Sookie Stackhouse. Sure. 
uh, talking about. Sookie. I don't know. I don't get the reference. Sookie Stackhouse. True Blood. I love the True Blood. Oh, never saw it. Um, it, it's them doing more meta commentary about meta commentary, and then Dak Shepard's wife sta- stabs Sookie Steakhouse or whatever you're, you called her. Um, and it goes stab seven, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, that's pretty good. And we we're both yeah. like, this movie is insane. Yeah, and I then, do like the idea of it uh, inceptioning me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I will say that immediately when the first one started, like the way that they were talking mm-hmm. was very textbook. Like, oh god, and you know that just to get, get, get like million minute, like million yeah. word a minute, like just like deconstructing like tropes. And I was like, oh, yeah. is this what this movie's gonna Saw, be? I think yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, is this what this movie's gonna be? And then it was like stab six and i was like fuck and then, and then like, there's two more girls doing the same shit and i was like oh my god it, it is gonna be this and stab, like, stab seven. seven and it's like oh they got me yeah and then, and then the last one i think is the most palatable especially yeah. because like the one girl is like she's like you're the dumb big titty blonde and she's like actually i've got a 4.0 gpo yeah. or whatever yeah. gpa and yeah for that whole scene i'm like all right they're gonna get a stab eight when it's stab eight and then an hour and 20 minutes pass and like cop gets stabbed in the brain i'm like oh please say stab eight right here <laughs> And then there's the weird, like, semi-reference to the garage death from the first one where she gets smashed by the Yeah, it just kind of closes on her. Yeah. Yeah. Layout of that house is weird. We were talking about Mm -hmm. this, or I was talking about this. She goes upstairs, closes the door. She's in an attic, runs down the stairs of the attic, Mm -hmm. like an unfinished part of the house, into the garage. Very strange to me. Um, I will say this is probably the most insufferable that Gail Weathers has been, in my opinion. Oh, she's the worst in this. Yeah. I hate when she's, like, talking to Dewey, and she's like, you got to let me in on this. And he's like, it's police business. And she's like, yeah, but I solved uh, three of these. And then she's like, whatever. I'm going rogue. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, I, hey, I helped solve three of these. And I was like, did you? Yeah, did you? You, <laughs> you were, were there, there for sure. <laughs> yeah, you for absolutely sure almost died three times. Yeah. But um, every single time, the killer just went, it was me, and this yeah. is what I'm doing. Yeah, don't treat it like you guys were Scooby in the gang. Yeah, exactly. You guys were 100% at the mercy of whatever psychopath showed up to town that year. Yeah, and it feels like every time she's every time she shows up in this movie, she's just doing her thing, and then someone is basically saying, hey, I know it's kind of your thing that you're the bitch, but not right now, please. Yeah. I will say also, okay, so the second scream is the one that, don't get me wrong, they fumbled the fuck out of it. They mishandled oh, yeah. this. Specifically the motive. But I do wish they would have done a better job. Like, that's a great, in my opinion, like, like it's a great idea for them to be like, oh, it's always the mother. It's always the mother. It's always, like, how the kid was mm. raised, yada, yada, yada. I disagree. Go on, sorry. And then same thing with, like, this motive, which is, like, the thing where it's, like, everybody gets their 15 minutes and stuff like that. I feel like, yes, there's decent criticism to have there. But, again, the way they handled they it just the ball, fucking yeah. fumbled it. I'm going to blame it. On that son of a bitch, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> so I was reading some facts while we were watching this. Yeah. Apparently, this script was written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And they had some bitch whose name I can't even remember. Uh, he wrote Scream 3. Yeah. And then Kevin Williamson wrote Scream Oh, his name's th- like Aaron Kruger or something? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Williamson wrote Scream 4, and that fat piece of shit, Harvey Weinstein, and his brother bob who i know nothing about we're like mm, no we're gonna have scream three guy come punch this up a little bit so yeah because scream gonna... three went so well yeah. i'm sure oh yeah that yeah. really made him a lot of money to do that one 
so I'm gonna blame every bad thing in this movie on that guy and Harvey Weinstein. Sure. <laughs> Unforgivable. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, yeah. So that's fair to say. Uh. You know, they're they're just fucking up Kevin Williamson's uh, artistic vision. Um. And yeah. Uh. I just wanted to make the point that like, excuse me. I feel like in all three of these, excuse me, sequels, there's like a good idea, some decent scary movies, but in general, just fumble. Just these mishandlings. It almost feels like... I'm sure it wasn't, but it almost feels like rushed or something. Or like, if someone was like, hey, uh, we'll give you a lot of money to do Scream 2. And they're like, oh, okay, tight. I got a couple ideas. And then like, a month before they were supposed to be shooting, they were like, oh, fuck. Oh, Jesus. God damn it. Christ. I, I got caught up doing Star Wars fan fiction. Oh, God. Too long. All right. Okay. Okay. They're in college this time. Uh, 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 they're in Hollywood this time. Uh, uh, okay. This time, uh, it's 2021. Uh, it's the niece. It's the niece. And uh, she, 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 15 minutes of fame. Only way to get famous. Uh, fucked up stuff. Uh, some guy who kind of looks like uh, Jamie Kennedy. No, 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 no. Two characters this time. Two characters instead of just Jamie Kennedy. And they, 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 they run a film club. Yeah. I, I'm... I'll agree with you. Scream 2 and 3 absolutely feel rushed. Yeah. Like, you just got to get a sequel out. This one feels the most thought out out yeah. of all the sequels. Yeah. But, again, I'm going to say... Still fumbled a bit. It's fumbled. I'm gonna Still fumbled. Guess because of what's-his-face's rewrites. Yeah. But I also love... I think you missed it, but there's a little insert where it's, like, late at night and Dewey's, like, rushing to a crime scene, and they got this fucking shot where he's just, like head tilted forward grabbing the wheel like this and yeah. it just happens for like two seconds it's cheesiest shit i've seen in the whole movie I, I, something i really liked about this movie is dewey is the sheriff and he feels like a sheriff of a police station this entire movie he's not dewey yeah he's not deputy dewey yeah. this entire movie and then right at the end he gets his ass kicked by a teenage girl beating him over the head with yeah. a poop bucket i will say a uh, scene that was really fucking making me go oh is when she keeps fucking punching Sydney in her fucking recently stitched yeah, stomach. I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, God. Oh, that's actually pretty gnarly. Oh. I was really hoping Sydney was dead. Like, of yeah. course they're not going to do it. She's got to come back for five. But how? Oh, I was like, man, I hope something you said. I hope I really hoped that this movie ended or was coming to a close and she's getting away with it. Oh, right until the end where someone figures it out. Yeah. But no, it's almost immediate. They're in the hospital, and Gail's mm-hmm. like, how'd she know I got stabbed here? Yeah. And on top of that, also, like, uh, oh, wait, Sydney's actually in the ICU. She might pull through, you yeah. know? Um, yes, I agree with you. I think, honestly, like, all of them should have died if they do another sequel. Like, I don't necessarily think they should. But oh, they're doing another one. Already? Scream 5's coming out, yeah. What do you mean, oh, already? God. Chris, Scream 4 came out a decade ago. No kidding? Came out in 2011, yeah. Wow, Scream I just told Delaney it came out in like 2017. No, it came out 10 wow. years ago. Where's my... <laughs> Here's the pulse. Here's your finger. Far from the pulse. Shoves directly up your ass or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, a little mall rats reference. Um, yada, 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 yow. That's insane. What you've just told me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of wish a lot of them would have died. And... Honestly, probably would have been a better uh, ending, even if she got away with it. Yeah. I mean, imagine walking away with that and just being like, damn, wow. My take at the time was kind of like, it's 2011. At the time, I thought it was like 2017. But it's 2011. Forensic would 100% show up and be like, 
Uh, yeah, it looks like she uh, pressed herself against this wall hard enough that it would look like she got stabbed. And yeah, also, yeah, she yeah. shot this guy in the dick. And also, yeah, she stabbed this one. So, uh, yeah, she's everything like, she's telling you is a big fat lie. Yeah, or even like even to a lesser extent, it'd be like, okay, well, she says this guy died, then she died, then he died. But we can for sure tell that he died at this time. Yeah. And then he died, and then she died. And then she died last. Oh, actually, she's in ICU. She's not even dead yet, you know. So, yeah, uh, those are my criticisms for the end. I know you had a very hard time with the end. you want to talk about your hate for the last 10 minutes? Is there anything you haven't said yet, I guess? Because we got to the point where you're like, oh, fuck, I remember yes. I watched these uh, at my friend's house these last 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I caught when this movie, like right, well, like, right when it came out on DVD or whatever, I was at someone else's house, and they were watching the last 10 minutes of it. And I probably hadn't even seen Scream 1 at this point. No, I think I had. No, yeah, no, I'd seen one, two, and three, and had no interest in four. But I remember very much so Gail being in the end of it and it happening in a hospital. Yeah. So when it was happening at the end of the house, I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering it." But yeah, then they get to the hospital. I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'm starting to remember this." And then Sydney turns on the defibrillator, and I just remembered watching these last ten minutes and Sydney turning on the defibrillator. And Gail being like, I have just one word to say to you before I die. And, I'll, and I'm going like, oh, if she says clear, I'm going to lose my mind. And then she goes, clear. And then she defibrillates her brain. I'm like, oh, fuck me. No. And you know what I'm tired of? What are you tired of? Honestly, I think it's weak even in the first movie. But they do it in every one. Where Jamie Kennedy says, the killer always comes back for one last square. And then the killer yeah. goes, Ugh! and he shoots her. And then in the second one, Sydney does the same thing. And then the third one, Sydney does. And then, then this one, yeah, same thing. She gets back up, and Sydney just instinctively, because it's happened to her three times, turns around and shoots her right yeah. as she's about to stab her with some glass or whatever. Garbage. And again, it's one of those things where I'm like, why is this a staple of this movie series? Do you want to hear the synopsis of Scream 5? Eh, give it to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a, a preamble. Starring David Arquette, Nev Campbell, and Courtney Cox. A woman returns. <laughs> I'm gonna read this as written. A woman returns hometown to try and find out who has been committing a series of violent crimes. So, anyways, this movie's easily like a D <laughs> for me. Probably you'd D. give it a D. I'd probably give it a D. I'd give us a B. B. Yeah, for okay. what it is, I'm gonna give it a solid B. <sighs> yes, this is like you said. I agree with you. It's the strongest sequel. Yeah. But also just, I don't feel good about any of them. Like, other than for kind of a goof with you watching them, like, when am I ever really gonna? Like, if someone was like, like, I came over to someone and they're like, oh, we're watching Scream 2. Like, yeah, I would. But, like, I don't know. I uh, guess kind of. I don't know. I would say <sighs> if I had to rewatch a Scream sequel, it would be four. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess they all have like a little bit of a rewatchability thing where it's like, oh no, I'd, oh, do you want to watch the one where they're in college? I'd happily watch any of these again. Yeah, I think so. I'll watch Scream One any day of the week. Yeah, it might take me a little bit of convincing to watch the other ones, but it'd be more for just, a goof. Yeah, but if someone just has one on, I'd be like, you know what? I could find some fun in Scream. Yeah. Two, Scream Three is all camp. We talked about this recently. The more I think about Scream 3, the more I like it. Yeah. Because it's just camp. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. But they're just fun movies to make fun of, with the exception of one. 
and four has some decent ideas that I'm like, you know what, I can kind of get behind this. Yeah. Until you know, her monologue at the end. Yeah. I think that's the thing that breaks it down the most. Um, Scream Five coming in January 2022. So stay tuned for our episode on that. Well, actually, I want to sneak one more little thing in there. I also feel like this is the movie of the series that, in my opinion, has like probably the weakest aesthetic charm. I get that. I yeah. do. I do. I brought it up while we were watching it. I do really appreciate when there's all the outside shots of like the town or the high school. Yeah. And I agree. It's that, very sunny, bright. They got that like '90s glow to yeah, it. Yeah, glow. But yeah, otherwise, I don't know. I'd say the least inspired visually it has to yeah. be three. Yeah. 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 Okay, so three. Yes, three is the one where it's like Sydney's half brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. You're right in the sense that uh, I would easily rewatch all of them, and they're fun for a goof, and they're they're fine to just kind of have on. But yeah, again, it's just yeah. I don't know. They're all kind of fumbles to a degree. Oh, absolutely, yeah. without a doubt. <laughs> If I had to put them in an order. Oh, okay. Scream one. Okay. Scream three. Okay. Scream. No, no, I lied. Sorry, <laughs> take that back. I, I fumbled. I fumbled immediately. <laughs> yeah. Scream one. Scream four. Uh-huh. Scream three. Scream two. Yeah. Because my reasoning, scream one, untouchable. Scream three knows exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I did it again. <laughs> scream four knows exactly what it is. Scream four. Has, is good, has fun ideas. Scream 3 knows exactly what it is. Scream 2 thinks it's doing something when it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm probably going to say Scream 1 because I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Untouchable. Um, crucify me. I love that cop car scene. Probably going to put Scream 2 number 2. That's fine. That's and then Scream fine. 4 and then Scream 3 okay. for me. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just so difficult because, like, I'm not like angry at any of these movies, but you know what? I changed my mind. Scream Four, number one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I fumbled it again. Is what yeah. happened. Scream One, Scream Four, Scream Two, Scream Three. Yeah. Because when I the more I think about Scream Three right now, there's all that Carrie Fisher stuff. Yeah hate it just hate it yeah but i do like her going back to the set that's her house and she opens the door with the closet that's a great stuck. moment i and love that, that stuff's moment. great yeah i love 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 i wish they would have skipped the whole idea of going to college or whatever and 100 percent scream 2 should have been the idea of they're making a movie of it now yeah and we're in the neighborhood just because we've been like flown out or i've been invited for this deal or that deal and uh, again, you don't have the bloating of it having twice happened, having happened, having happened twice already, and uh, you can just like kind of streamline Sydney getting to the moment where mm-hmm. she's like reliving her trauma, but yeah. as a set on a soundstage, like that's such a powerful moment and stuff. And honestly, if anything, I know last time that we talked about a movie, I think it was uh, I, I got to do my dream remake idea, not hard idea just a soft pitch for like i wish they could do an old dark house oh yeah yeah. and that would be my thing about the sequels of scream is i wish they could just 
find a way to tastefully and without bloating it take some of the ideas that worked best of all three condense it down into one sequel and there was only a scream two there was never a scream three or four okay and that you know they just like i said really really just put as much effort into it you know my wish would be in a perfect world yeah there's only three scream movies yeah and you turned three and two into one movie. Uh-huh. You get rid of all the college garbage. You get yeah. rid of all of her Trash. like, ooh, I don't know if I can go through with doing this mm-hmm. play. I don't. And I would also fuck. say get rid of it being like her stepbrother. I think. Yeah, get rid of that. I don't like that one that much. Figure out a better killer for two and three. Yeah. <laughs> Combine them into one movie where she's in college, she's laying low, but also they're doing the movie, and she has and she finds herself at the set somehow. Yeah, because there's so many cool things that happen with the movie, like even that scene that you love, where like he's in the ghost face closet. Yeah, yeah. And you know? They find a way to have just a hundred ghost faces yeah. in the scene. Yeah, and even just the idea that, like, you know, here's a little bit of like a. I'm not saying motive, but like, yeah, the the killer could potentially be intrigued because he's like, look at me, I'm actually killing people on the set, kind of mad. Yeah, you know, I don't know who he would be or what his this that and the other would be, but yeah. That sounds like a, a job for me and you. Something fun that we could do together. Yeah. Let's write Scream 2, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, sure, Scream 3 could be your Scream 4 work. Ten years yeah. later, you'd make another one. Cause With the better ending. Money, 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 money. Also dollar. in our, our Scream dollar, sequel, dollar. we go with the original casting where Patrick Warburton's character, Stone, is played by Stone Cold Steve Austin. And guess what? In our sequel, Jamie Kennedy don't die. Oh yeah, Jamie. In our sequels, Jamie Kennedy makes it until Scream <laughs> Eight. In our sequels, he ends up vice president. He becomes the new Sydney. <laughs> he's he's the final. Girl. Scream Two: A cold open on Jamie Kennedy. A cold open. What do you mean Sydney had a heart attack? <laughs> I was gonna say a cold open on Sydney dying immediately. She's yeah, called up in Sydney's funeral. Jimmy she's, Kennedy crying over casket. She's the Drew Barrymore in Scream 2. Yeah. She dies immediately. She's home alone eating a sandwich. She chokes to death. Or no, she gets killed by Ghostface. Chris, I think we're onto something. Scream 2 opens first five minutes. Sydney dies. There you go. Oh. Follow Jamie Kennedy. Rest of the movie. Well, we're off and running, but <laughs> let's get these women out of this movie. <laughs> Gail Weathers on vacation in Europe. (laughs) It's just Jamie Kennedy and Dewey hanging out. It's a buddy comedy for 90 minutes. It's Scream 3. It's called Jamie and Dewey. (laughs) It's not even Jamie Kennedy. I don't even remember what Jamie Kennedy's character is. Guess what? Ghostface is a good guy now. He's hanging out with Dewey Cox and uh, Jamie Kennedy's. There's no murders involved at all. (laughs) It's all weed and dick jokes. They're just detectives. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're actually working the beat in uh, in Hollywood. They got brought out because of the movie. All the cops die. All the cops. That's die. what Ghostface does. He kills all the cops so that they have to hire exactly. Dewey and uh, Jamie Kennedy. They're the new police force. Of <laughs> <laughs> oh, and kind of like Batman, they've actually turned the city around for the better. And at one point in the movie. They're out of options and they don't know where to go, so they make a big they make a big decision and they're like, Oh man, you're not thinking about you're not thinking about him, are you? They're like, Well, if anyone knows this killer and his motives, it's gonna be him and they go to 
prison and Matthew Lillard survived. And shut up. <laughs> the, cops, <laughs> the cops wheel in a prisoner on like a gurney thing, like Silence of the Lambs, and they take off his mask, and it's Matthew Lillard. <laughs> wow. I'd watch the fuck out of that <laughs> Absolutely. <movie. laughs> we always do is come up with a good crime that they're solving, which while in the bath earlier, I have half of an idea for an episode of Columbo. Did you take a bath? Yes, I did. Sorry, go on. Half hour bath. Okay. First, the only thing I have is some of the murder, right? Okay. Obvious classic is that you find some way to excuse yourself from the party so you can go do the murder, right? You do the murder on 4th of July, so the gunshots sound like fireworks, <gasps> oh. right? Yeah, so now all I have to decide is the characters, the story, the motive, you know, the meat and potatoes. But I have that one little thing. So, anyways. Well, I wait with bated breath to hear the rest of your Yeah, Columbo you want to read my Columbo spec script? Absolutely. <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, let's work on a big crime for these uh, ghosts to be busting. And uh, until then... Oh my god, what if he wrote that motherfucker? And then one day actually got Jamie Kennedy and David Arquette to do like a fucking reading of that. That's, <laughs> that's gonna be my life goal. Yeah. To, to, I'm just going to push myself and further a career in film just so I can have seventy five year old David Arquette and eighty five year old Jamie Kennedy Read and scream to just scream. It's gonna be called called Scream Parentheses twenty thirty. <laughs> Oh, well, that's that. Mattress Man. If you need more soup, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time...